Hola, ¿qué tal? It's Chiquis from the Chiquis and Chill podcast. State Farm apoya con orgullo este podcast and all the storytellers on the My Cultura podcast network. They value nuestra familia as much as we do, and that's why they're offering surprisingly great rates. So you don't have to give up on doing what you love. With State Farm, you'll help protect what's important to you. Together, we're committed to elevating the Latino experience. It's our time to be heard about so many topics. Y con el apoyo de State Farm, nuestras voces can speak about mental health, familia, financial literacy, body positivity, y mucho más. State Farm supports our vision, our communities, our neighborhoods, y nuestra gente. Tus seres queridos son tan importantes para ellos como lo son para ti. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. State Farm, a proud sponsor of the My Cultura Podcast Network. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You work for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. And we're just coming off the weekend, going into the middle of the week here. And lots of news. One of the headlines that popped out to me uh, from an email I got from my buddy Curtis Sliwa, big shout-out to the Guardian Angels in New York City, was this story about a coach shooting another coach in Philly, the city of brotherly love. Big shout out to everybody on 1210 WPHT. But I thought, man, this is really out of control. You've got a Philly coach shooting another Philly coach. Let's see. Where's the headline here? Philadelphia youth football coach shoots another coach in the stands of a football field near Temple University, according to police. This is CBS3 in Philly. And you know what? What gets me here is this apparently was a fight over a woman. There were kids actually practicing, little kids, seven-year-olds. And... This is, again, not uh, an issue of gun violence, in my opinion. This is an issue of people that don't think. And had the other guy had a gun, he probably wouldn't have shot him, right? People mainly do this type of silly, senseless shooting, especially in urban areas like Philly, New York, uh, other states that have these very, very strict gun laws. They know if you've got a gun, you've got the advantage because you're a sitting duck. It's like shooting ducks in a barrel when you're unarmed in one of these progressive blue states. But Philadelphia district attorney, he's one of those George Soros plants, a guy named Larry Krasner. Now, this guy Krasner, he uh, he got in, I think, in 2017. And he's, again, pro-crime progressive, believes that jails are the problem, not the people in the jails. It's the jail that's the problem. He believes that it's the gun that's the problem, not the guy shooting the gun. Now, are things always this black and white? No, they're not. Listen. Uh, You know, what? a little bit later, I want to talk about some stuff I've been looking at with jails because nothing's ever black and white. Just because Krasner says jails are the problem doesn't mean that there aren't problems in jails. Right. So we can we can um, split hairs on that in a minute. But I want to talk about this Philly stuff because Larry Krasner says that this is an outrage, that it's, it's absolutely horrible. And I agree. Nobody should be shooting people right where there's little kids playing, you know, when you're not like target practice and you're not shooting down range. This is some sort of uncontrolled violence that just happens to be the case. And what is Larry Krasner and George Soros and all of the rest of the pro-crime progressive uh, prosecutors, what is it that they call for? They call for defunding the police. 
They want less cops so that these things will happen. Now, guess what? When you have cops around, when you have cops that are working and walking a beat and they're known to be, you know, one or two guys at the local park, at the the field over here on on your main strip or whatever, you have less crime because people don't want to go out of their way to get in trouble. Crimes, most of these crimes are crimes of opportunity. So these guys are shooting each other because tempers flare and they don't think twice. Had there been a cop around very close by, this would not have happened. So if Krasner wants to find somebody to blame, he should start by blaming himself. Again, he says that this is unacceptable, it's wrong, and I agree that it's wrong. But here's what he had to say. The effect is that people are desensitized to it. It seems normal that there are gunshots going on. And that is not how our youth should be living. It's not how they should grow up. It's not how our youth should grow up. Then stop defunding the police. Stop calling to get rid of the cops. Now, he may come and say, you know what, Rich Valdez, you're being unfair. You're saying that I want all cops to go away. No, 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 I just want the bad racist cops to go away. I think everybody wants that. The problem is that's not pervasive. This is not the problem where we have every last cop is a bad guy. It's not like saying there's a bunch of crooks in the Democrat Party. Oh, right. Then you would see, yes, most of them are crooks. And that's not just me being a partisan. That's just the proof in the pudding. Anyway, moving right along. The whole thing was caught on a cell phone video. And you see the one guy go up to the other guy and he just pulls the trigger and blasts him. The video's on Twitter. It's on CBS3, CBS Philly. So if you want to check it out, you can. I will go ahead and uh, retweet this so that you could see it. And we'll get into that. But this is the question that I have for you. Can these progressive pro-crime prosecutors, can they, in effect, make these claims that kids shouldn't be indoctrinated or become accustomed and get used to this type of violence when they're the ones that are promoting this violence through the policies that they implement? I don't think that should be the case. But Larry Krasner seems to think that it's okay. So let me know your thoughts on that, at Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all the social media. Now, speaking of crime, there's another story I wanted to get into. This one out of New York. Headline from the Daily Mail. Queen's prostitute, 43 years old, is jailed for 30 years for killing four clients with fentanyl, including the head chef of Cipriani, and then robbing them while they laid there dying. (laughs) Now, excuse me. I didn't even know that you could still say prostitute and arrest in the same sentence. I thought, at least in New York, you had to call them sex workers and they had to be released on their own recognizance because we don't have any cash bail anymore. The far-left Democrats will have you believe that every last one of them is a victim. But that's not the case. Now, this woman, her name, Angelina Barini, 43 years old, she's originally from Italy, born in Italy, and she was convicted of fatally drugging four dudes with fentanyl. And another drug called GBL in the summer of 2019. Like I said, one of them was a chef. And she put one of these guys inside of a garbage bin at an Elmhurst motel. I laugh because of what her sister had to say. There's nothing funny about this, but it's laughable what her sister said. Now, the prosecutors alleged that Barini met up with these guys and then knocked them out and robbed them. Now, her sister weighs in and says that the sentence is harsh. And that she's going to file an appeal. Can you imagine that? The sentence is harsh. 30 years in jail for four murders. That's harsh? I know most common sense people think if you drug someone, rob them, kill them, and stuff them in a dumpster, that's usually life in prison, right? 25 to life? This woman gets 30 for four. To me, it seems like she got a deal. She got three murders for free here. She's only paying the price for one of them. And she's young enough. She'll be out of jail in her 70s. 
Like that saying, orange is the new black, 73 is the new 23. I mean, I can't imagine somebody getting their life back after they killed four people in, in cold blood and thinking that they're, they're not getting off with leniency. This is what's happening in New York, where you can kill that many people. Some people would say this is a mass murderer, right? Four people. I guess the definition may vary. Bottom line here is people have become so desensitized. Like Krasner was saying, kids are desensitized to hearing gunshots. I'm going to say people are desensitized to what life really is, what it means, and the value of it. How could anybody think that this is not a discounted sentence in any way? This is the world that we're in. This woman and her sister in Italy, they think that she didn't get a good deal. She should have gotten less time, less than 30 years for four murders. I don't know. It's crazy. I will put this out on Twitter as well. And speaking of Twitter, obviously, big news. Uh, the last time we talked about this, Elon Musk was making a move to buy Twitter. Turns out early in the week, he got Twitter. He bought it. They accepted his offer of $44 billion. And, you know, I was on Newsmax over the weekend and I was saying just that, that, you know what, no matter what they did, a guy with this much resources, the richest guy in the world, he's going to get what he wants. I have a feeling. And I was right. He did get it, and lo and behold, about two hours after it gets announced that Musk is buying Twitter, all of a sudden, there's lots of growth on Twitter. I've been on Twitter for years. All of a sudden, I'm getting retweets like I haven't seen before. More people are following me. My follower count hadn't moved in years. Apparently, it looks like they'd frozen me. I've been iced out by the Twitter world. Anyway, there's more on that to come straight ahead. But first, I want to remind you to give us a follow and check us out on all the social media. Truth Social. What's the other one? Parlor, Getter. Facebook, Instagram, I don't discriminate. At Rich Valdez with an S on all of them. Give me a follow. More to come straight ahead. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. What up, what up? It's Dramos from the Life as a Gringo podcast. And y'all already know, food has the power to bring people together. Whether it's takeout for two or watching the season finale of your favorite show or going to a barbecue with your peoples. Both go great with an ice cold Coca-Cola by your side. And if you can't cook, chips and dip work, especially as you listen to your go-to podcast. At Michael Tura, we know familia, friends, and community matter. That's why we aim to elevate Latino voices. So share the magic of our podcast with your friends and add a Coca-Cola to the mix. Because there's magic when we eat together. Coca-Cola, proud partner of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows, like Life is a Gringo, available on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. This is America. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. This is America with Rich Valdez. 
All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of that social media. Please give me a follow. I want to keep in touch with you. I love to read your comments, so make sure you get at me, at Rich Valdez with an S. Now, uh, thank you for tuning in again. We're here, 1210 WPHT, and I want to talk about Twitter and Elon Musk and all of the stuff that's been going on this week because so much has happened. Right. He apparently got what he wanted. He bought Twitter. He's restoring free speech. There's articles all over the place. It's been the big story for several days in the earlier part of the week where, you know, people are getting more followers. Their follower count is increasing. It's actually moving. They're getting more retweets. There's more engagement. There's more impressions. There's more of everything. Matter of fact, on top of that, you've got the competitor, the Trump uh, platform, Truth Social, is now the number one for, I think, the last two days in a row the number one social media download in the Apple App Store, the number one app downloaded in the Apple App Store. Trump is killing it. I'm looking at my phone. It's flashing like a strobe light. Uh, my good friend, big shout out to my buddy Dan Bongino. He uh, retweeted uh, something saying, follow uh, Mark Levin, Rich Samantha, Rich Valdez. So thank you, Dan, for that. I love the engagement. I love everybody who's following on Truth Social and Twitter. And I want to talk about this Twitter because – my buddy James O'Keefe, and you guys know that James O'Kizzle, my nizzle, as I like to call him, James has done lots of great work. This latest one is second to none. He's got a clip of leaked audio from the first big meeting after Musk takes over the company. And here's what the Twitter people had to say. Listen to this. How did the board and Mr. Musk plan on dealing with a mass exodus, considering the acquisition is by a person with questionable ethics? Also, how much input given background did Jack have on this? Jack is a member of the Twitter board and it was a unanimous vote. Beyond that, um, we can't speculate beyond what was stated in the press release. And I'm sure Jack will share his own feelings over time. Aha. So Jack will let you know exactly how he feels. Just give him a second. So that's the chief marketing officer of Twitter, Leslie Berland. And she's having that conversation with Brett Taylor. He's the independent chairman of the board of Twitter. And they're going back and forth on this. And I thought it was interesting that, A, that this literally just happened on April 25th. And that by the 26th or 27th, it was already leaked to the media and Project Veritas led the way on that. Good for them. It tells me that not everybody inside of Twitter is the bad guy. That just like in many other places, it's a small fringe group of far left people and that squeaky wheel gets all the oil. Makes it seem like that's everybody out there, but it's not. There's plenty of good people out there. There's plenty of patriots out there. And it doesn't mean these are Trump-loving uh, American apple pie types, but it does mean that they may be indifferent. They might be like, hey, who cares? You know, free speech, great. I like Musk. I like this. I like, you know, I don't like Trump, but whatever. You know, they're not out to get him. They're not out to censor you and slow down the growth of my Twitter or anybody else's Twitter and engineer a way to dump Trump from Twitter. And I think that's a big part of this because there's no question that Trump was pushed off the platform and they had been getting rid of him little by little as much as they could, not only on Twitter, on multiple platforms so that people wouldn't hear the message, so people wouldn't see him. You know, somebody retweeted something of mine earlier and put a comment on it and said, Rich, so nice to see you on Twitter. Haven't seen you here in years. And I'm thinking, wow. I mean, I realize I'm a bad tweeter. I, I sometimes only tweet once a day. There might even be days on the weekend where I don't tweet at all. But, I, you know, I've got Mr. Producer who's, you know, constantly on me saying, listen, you got to tweet three times an hour. You know, people are going to forget you. It's a competitive game. 
It's so difficult for me to do that, honestly. Um, maybe that sounds like a wuss type of thing to say, but yeah, I just, I've got different things happening and uh, tweeting three times a day is just never at the forefront of my mind. I wish it was. But the bottom line here, what I'm saying is they said they hadn't heard from me in years. And I think, listen, I may not tweet that much, but I tweet enough that you should have seen me in a couple of years. And the fact that I was at the same number, I think it was 27.7 or 23.7 thousand people, whatever it was, for as long as it was, a year and a half, two years, lets me know that people weren't getting it. That, you know, the first few times I'd filled in for Levin back in 2019, I would do the show and I would get lots and hundreds of new followers because it's a big show. But then I would do the show and... You know, people would hear me and want to follow my stuff, but nobody would hear it. They'd hear me on the radio, but they wouldn't find me on Twitter. And I found it very interesting. So that's the big news now that they're actually suppressing these things. And they have been suppressing these things from Trump to little people like me. And what I I find interesting about that is that as soon as Musk gets in, boom, it's done. And I saw something else on social media the other day that really caught my eye where Musk says something. Twitter's cool. And the other guy goes, you should buy it. And he goes, how much is that? (laughs) <laughs> and that was several years ago. To put a pin in that, I think it's great that we have somebody who's focused on free speech getting involved. I wasn't in opposition to Jeff Bezos buying the Washington Post, but I would say, like I said on Newsmax the other day, we just have to be cautious because you don't want George Soros to be buying all the communication assets out there because it's going to become worse and worse and worse, You know, more like CNN, more like MSNBC. Speaking of MSNBC, Ari Melber, one of their um, talking heads, he says that you could manipulate things. And it seems like he doesn't really get it because that's exactly what was going on. And it's exactly why Musk bought Twitter to begin with, to fight back against all of the censorship. And he does an excellent job of explaining what was happening under the control of Jack Dorsey. But he's kind of painting it like this is what we can expect from from people that don't agree with us. Listen to this. You own all of Twitter or Facebook or what have you. You don't have to explain yourself. You don't even have to be transparent. You could secretly ban one party's candidate or all of its candidates, all of its nominees, or you could just secretly turn down the reach of their stuff and turn up the reach of something else. And the rest of us might not even find out about it till after the election. Elon Musk says this is all to help people because he is just a free speech, philosophically clear, open-minded helper. If you own all of Twitter. Yeah, so he wants to trash Elon Musk, but the bottom line is he called it out. You can exactly do what he just said. And I have no doubt in my mind, and so do many of you, that's actually been happening forever, starting with Zuckerberg and moving on to the rest of the crew in Silicon Valley social media land. So it's amazing how concerned people are now with free speech. And I understand why, because they presume that you're gullible and that you'll get sucked in by sexy rhetoric. That may not be true. And they feel like they're there. They have to protect you because you're not as smart as they are. Right. You're not as smart as the MSNBC types. So because of that, we have to be here to protect you. Right? And this is the, the, the left talking. They have to be there to protect you so that you won't get caught up in things like DeSantis and his don't say gay bill or or Trump and his insurrection and all of the other lies. Fauci and his masks and, and, and this virus that's killing people and not killing people. And now. Dun, dun, dun. Big news alert. Fauci says we're out of the pandemic. That was the longest 15 days ever. Anyway, there's a whole lot uh, I want to talk about. We're going to do that straight ahead uh, on the other side. But there's a question that I want to ask you from my buddies at JustFacts.com before we leave. It's the Just Facts question of the day. Who wrote that overwhelming liberty requires suppressing free speech? So who's the author of that? Is it Benjamin Franklin? who wrote that overthrowing liberty requires suppressing free speech. 
Was it Jack Dorsey? Joe Biden? Mark Zuckerberg? Anyway, you let me know who you think it was. You can go ahead and put that in a, in a social media comment. I will tweet this out right now so that it's up on the timeline. And we'll get to the answer on the other side of this break. Don't move a muscle, Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Woo, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Hey, Nissan, how do you get to the top? Calculating. Proceed to 1959. Take a hard left in East Africa at the 71 Safari Rally. Veer right for 19 off-road championships in the Baja Desert. Proceed towards Moab. Take the trail to Hell's Revenge. Include steep incline. Continue for the next million miles. Um, where to first again? 60 years, millions of miles, and the capability to take you anywhere. This is the new Nissan. The 45th President Donald Trump thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. Mr. Call Screener. Yeah. Oh, it's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And uh, the question of the day from our buddies at JustFacts.com. Uh, and if you want to sign up for their newsletter, by the way, it's JustFacts.com slash Rich. JustFacts.com slash Rich. But their question of the day today was uh, the one that I read you right before the break. And here it is. Who wrote that overthrowing liberty requires suppressing free speech? Was it Benjamin Franklin, Jack Dorsey, Joe Biden, or Mark Zuckerberg? Drum roll, please. All right. It's ding, ding, ding. I'm choosing Benjamin Franklin because none of the other guys were alive back then when we spoke about liberty on a regular basis. I'm going to hit submit and let's see what the answer is, folks. All right. This is not going as fast as I wanted to. Oh, there we go. Here we go. Ding, ding, ding. I am correct, ma'am and sir. 68% of respondents got this question right. Benjamin Franklin was 16 years old when the state of Massachusetts imprisoned his brother for criticizing the government. In response, Franklin used an alias to write commentary about free speech in which he quoted the following statements from a London newspaper. Whoever would overthrow the liberty of a nation must begin by subduing the freeness of speech. Boom, mic drop. That's what's up, Ben Franklin. 
Now, I want you to listen to this freak because this guy, this guy's a real sleaze. And I, I don't say that lightly. I mean, there's, I wish I could call him some other words on the radio, but I can't. This guy, his name, here I go, Professor Stephen Kirshner, K-E-R-S-H-N-A-R, born in 1966. This is his Wikipedia. He's American philosopher, distinguished teaching fellow at the State University of New York at Fredonia. He says it's not pedophilia, it's just an attraction to younger girls and that the, the, it should be a sliding scale. So maybe 18 is the number, but what if you made it 8 or what if you made it 12? Listen to this freak. Imagine that an adult male uh, wants to have sex with a 12-year-old girl. Imagine that she's a willing participant. A, a very standard, very widely held view that there's something deeply wrong about this, and it's wrong independent of it being criminalized. It's not obvious to me that it is, in fact, wrong. I think this is a mistake. Well, there's a couple of things to say here. One is, even if you are looking for a threshold, let's say there's a threshold. I'm, I'm making this number up, but let's say it's at age eight. Um, still, that tells you that some adult child sex is permissible. Second, the notion that it's wrong even with a one-year-old is, is not quite obvious to me. There are reports in some cultures of grandmothers fellating their, uh, the baby boys to calm them down when it when what? He said Abuela is filleting the baby boy to calm him down. That is absolutely insane. Continue. The colicky. Now, I don't know if it's true. Filleting baby boys because they're colicky. Thank goodness he says he doesn't know if it's true. I think he's just throwing it out there for cannon fodder. But this, this is sort of widely reported as occurring in, in, in at least one culture. And it, it working, that the grandmothers believe, believe this actually works. If this were to be true, it's hard to see what would be wrong with it. So this professor is trying to rationalize how he's peddling pedophilia on Twitter, of all places. And I don't know if he made that for Twitter or not, but that's where I saw it. And it makes you think, I understand what they're doing. They're trying to be provocative. They're trying to play the, the devil's advocate. They're trying to make these what ifs. What if this? What if that? What about? Blah, blah, blah. But when you talk about it, it's been widely reported. What reports are you reading, sir, that there are mothers that are grandmothers that are filleting their young babies to calm them down? I, I've never heard such a thing. I've, I've never heard. If you've heard about that, about providing or offering or conducting oral sex on an infant, a mother or a grandmother, whatever he said, I can't even imagine this. I mean, I, I feel like somebody should call the... The FCC, just because I'm talking about this, and clearly it's something we can talk about. I just don't want to talk about it. But we have to talk about these things because this is the type of insanity that we're facing in society. This is the type of insanity our children are facing when they get older and they're in college. I've got a kid in college right now. Now, I don't know if she's learning about this. I would suspect she's not. But it's something I think you, me, and everybody else has to be prepared for. Ah, this nearly has me speechless. This is why parents have to be involved, because we can't continue to allow our society to be eroded, for our children's futures to be put in jeopardy, to put in the, the crosshairs of the radical left, of hypersexualized Marxists that want to destroy children. I don't really care why they're doing it. To me, evil's evil. I have to focus on how I'm going to stop them. What am I going to do today to make sure that this doesn't move forward? And a couple of parents at a school board meeting they were discussing emails that they obtained on a similar note, but somewhat different, of how a third grade teacher was coaching a third grader and some parents were at a school board meeting because they obtained emails showing how administrators and fellow teachers were coaching a newer third grade teacher 
how to stay under the radar while teaching LGBTQ gender inclusion, uh, criminal race theory, and all of that stuff in the classroom. Obviously behind the parents' backs. Check this out. Dear board members and Superintendent Ikchin, as you're aware, I'm sure a packet of district emails was released to a GUSD parent on the basis of a public records request for all communications matching certain keywords such as CRT, LGBTQ, or queer, for example. What was discovered in this initial release was appalling and needs to be addressed ASAP by all levels of district leadership. For those of you who haven't seen these documents circling on social, circulating on social media, I'll recap for you. On an email dated June 7, 2021, from Mrs. Tammy Tiber, a third grade teacher at Jefferson Elementary, to Sally Miles and Craig Lewis from the district's teaching and learning department, Mrs. Tiber says, Good morning, Sally and Craig. As you know, I teach third grade. Today I talked to my class about LGBTQ Pride Month and played two short videos from YouTube that were geared toward kids. A parent who heard the lesson and discussion made her daughter leave the Zoom and texted me asking when I was done discussing sexual orientation so that she can let her kids back onto Zoom. That's totally reasonable, by the way. Every parent has that right. Parents have a right to go in school, find out what's going on. They have a right to sit in the back of the room and observe. Go ahead. I was planning on doing more lessons tomorrow and Wednesday, but now I'm afraid to. Here are the videos and lessons I was going to do with my class. Of the YouTube video link she listed, here's an excerpt from one that she played for her eight-year-old students where an MTV host asks children questions about being gay and transgender. She says, Jodie Foster is a woman, and she made me question my own sexuality when I was a child because I liked her so much. And she was nude in the film Nell, and sarcastically says, not that I remember watching it several times as a child, with a wink. During remote learning last year, a parent heard what was being shown and taught to her eight-year-old child on Zoom, immediately turned off the computer and contacted the teacher, which resulted in the worried email Ms. Tiber sent to district personnel. Exactly 21 minutes later, after sending the email, Mrs. Tiber received a response from Mr. Craig Lewis, part of district staff, that said, Do not be concerned or afraid. Your principal should support you, as I know that our district, include, including Vivian, does. End quote. This district staffer goes even further and gives more media recommendations to the teacher, but says to steer clear of content that says sexual or coming out, since it may raise red flags. In other words, coaching this teacher on proven methods to push her agenda, but to stay under the radar. Immediately after the release of this email chain, the parents at Jefferson Elementary who have, have or have had Ms. Tiber as their child's teacher reached out to the principal and demanded answers. Why is gender and sexuality issues being taught to eight-year-olds to begin with? With the tremendous loss of learning our children experienced the past two years. Now that is a mom in the Glen, uh, not Glengale, Glendale Unified School District in California, Glendale, California, Los Angeles area. She's spot on. She saw this. She's calling it out. Good for her. When did we get to a place where if you have a faith that objects to certain things, that you're no longer allowed to participate in public schooling, that somehow you must be secularized to participate in public services? That is complete Bolshevik BS. That's not the case. I grew up in a Jewish neighborhood, and a lot of my neighbors, they didn't go to the public school because they went to shul and they went to a yeshiva, and they, did, they didn't want to participate, but that was their choice. They, w- they were never ostracized. And what I find fascinating about today is that it's like, oh, if you're a Christian, if you're a Muslim, if you're anything that believes in God and doesn't believe uh, because of the tenets of your faith that this teaching is wrong, somehow amoral then or immoral, excuse me, then what I want to know is why is it that we the people have to be excluded? Now, obviously, we don't have to be excluded, and we have every right to stick up for our children because they're our children. It's our school. It's our system. It's our country. It belongs to we the people. 
the taxpayer. But somehow the uh, socialists at the teachers union level have taken over a very long time ago and they have sold people on the idea of a pension and a paycheck. And they use this to coerce people to become our worst nightmare, bringing the things that we don't want for our children right into the very classroom where they have control. It's sick and getting sicker is what Bob Grant used to say. And I have to agree with him. Parents like this woman and like so many of us, I I was involved in the creation of a charter school some years ago. I I urge everybody get out and become an advocate in one way or another, whether it's talking to other parents, whether it's getting involved in in a club at the school, PTA, PTO, whatever, going to school board meetings. You have to get involved because or like these parents sending an email saying, you know what, let me know when you're done with this indoctrination and I'll send my kid back to class when they can learn something academic, not this social emotional learning crap. People have to take a stand. We have to put them on notice. They said that teacher was scared. We need more scared teachers. Teachers need to be scared saying, you know, I didn't go to school to, to come and indoctrinate people about sexuality. And if they did, those are the same teachers that we have to focus on and get rid of. Bottom line, not every teacher is a bad teacher. But all the bad teachers seem to be crazy socialist lefties. And we need to get rid of those teachers or at least minimize it. Let them keep their socialism at home while they're teaching math, while they're teaching reading, while they're doing what they have to do. If it's current events, we talk about current events and you keep it balanced. Stop hiding behind this idea that if a kid comes to you with a question, you're somehow God, you're somehow their parent and you have to answer every question. You don't. Somebody comes in. Why? I saw a man kissing another man. Why? You're going to have to talk to your parents about that. That's it. Boom. It's that simple. I'm tired of the nonsense. I'm glad I don't have little kids, but there's a lot of people out there with little kids and everybody out there needs to stop being afraid. The time is now to step up. Otherwise, we're going to have a lot of problems. Speaking of problems, earlier I mentioned I wanted to talk about prisons and I've got a lot to say about prisons because I watched this documentary on one of the streaming things that I have and the uh, smart TV there. And let me tell you, it was crazy. The things that I learned, I didn't know anything. I've never been to jail. And I say that, you know, with like a badge of honor. I've never been to jail. But, you know, um, I also think some people look at you like, you've never been to jail. What's wrong with you? What are you, a pansy? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what world we live in anymore. Anyway, I want to jump into this jail stuff. So don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America. Para Inglés, o primal número dos. Para Rich Valdez. Y esto es America. Ahora. All right, America, what's up? Philly, what's up? New York City, what's up? Texas, California. Everybody in Florida. Man, I love Florida. I love everybody out there who's listening coast to coast. Thank you so much. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And I want to get into this topic about prisons because, you know, I could stay on my soapbox about, you know, the indoctrination of children. But ultimately, that's the real school to prison pipeline is when you uh, teach kids the wrong thing. And I want to do a whole show on this, this concept that they have called the school to prison pipeline. 
It's not really like that. It's more like the foster care system to prison pipeline. And that's not what I'm going to talk about in this particular segment. But it's something like 84% of kids in foster care end up homeless or in jail. Did you know that? Because when I found that out, I was blown away. And to me, that's not acceptable. We need to do better as a society. We need to do better as humanity. But prison is a show called 60 Days In. If you've already seen this, you already know what I'm talking about. But if you're like me that had never seen this, I was blown away. I had never seen anything like this. And I have some friends that have been to jail and they've told me stuff, but they never told me anything like this until I told them I saw this and they were like, yeah, you didn't know. I mean, come on, duh. I was actually thinking of getting my buddy who went to jail um, uh, to come on the show to talk about it because I was so shocked by this stuff. But just like uh, AOC, All Out Crazy, our least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens who wants to shut all the prisons and abolish ICE and defund the police, I was shocked about their toilets. Do you remember when AOC visited the border facility a couple years ago or last year? She said that people were being forced to drink out of toilets. Listen to this. There's abuse in these, in these facilities. There's abuse. This was them on their best behavior, and they put them in a room with no running water, and these women were being told by CBP officers to drink out of the toilet. They were drinking water out of the toilet, and that was them knowing what a congressional visit was coming. That was This is CBP on their best behavior, telling people to drink out of the toilet. So now I remember that controversy. And it was CBP saying, ma'am, we have sinks that are connected to the toilet. You remember that whole thing? And she was like, you know, whatever. And then she clarified on Twitter that what she was saying, that CBP's refuting the toilet water drinking story, saying that they have sinks, but the sinks weren't working. So that's why they were told to drink out of these things. Now, that's the part they're arguing about. Did the Border Patrol tell the people to drink out of a toilet or not? And it was a big joke at the time because we were like, lady, the, there's a sink at the top of that toilet. It's a all-in-one kind of unit. Anyway, the point that I'm making was that was the amount of exposure I had in total with these uh, prison toilets until now. I feel like that commercial where they go, but wait, there's more. Yeah, there was more. So if you remember that, you'll remember this whole thing. Now, in this documentary I watched, these inmates, it's more like a reality show. They would empty these stainless steel toilets, which is probably why the sink doesn't work, <laughs> because they would stuff their mattress in there and, and displace the water or use a cup to take it out. And then they knock on it so that somebody upstairs or downstairs from them that's sharing that same pipe will also do the same thing to empty out their toilet. And they start talking on the toilet like through the pipe, like a telephone system. A toilet phone in the prison. I was blown away at this ingenuity. So not only do they communicate with the people directly above them and the people directly uh, beneath them in the, you know, cells, but they use this system they created called fishing, where they use plastic spoons and they shred their T-shirts or their sheets and they make string out of it. And they fish items to one another, like potato chips, drugs, contraband, notes in Ziploc bags. I mean, all sorts of things. Um, you know, prison weapons, all, all crazy stuff. I mean, the things that are on these shows, and I think, man, this is phenomenal. I mean, it's just, again, I don't encourage it, but I just think the, the level of ingenuity that's there is just remarkable. And none of us could say this is a good thing, right? This is definitely a prison that needs reform. I don't think all prisons are like this, but there definitely are prisons that are like this. So in this television show, they take like civilians or even um, undercover cops from different jurisdictions or corrections officers 
to pose as inmates in different prisons and the women's section and the women and the men's section and assess and, you know, be consultants, if you will, to figure out what's wrong in the jail and how they can improve the jail. And there was so much that I got out of this. I mean, from a spiritual perspective, they sent this one lady in and she said, I'm going in here. It's like a mission field. I'm here to save some souls. And she, she really made a lot of connections with a lot of people. One instance, there was this one woman that was clearly going nuts. And I, I don't know if that's the right term, but suffering lots of psychotic episodes over and over and over again to the point she couldn't even stand. She would fall down. She was uh, abusing drugs. Some of the other inmates were giving her drugs because she didn't have access to her psych medication. So they would give her, you know, heroin or whatever. And she would get high as a kite and just start stumbling all over the place. And they tell her to go do stupid things. And she was the source of their entertainment. It reminded me of ancient Rome where Caesar would pit man against man or man against lion or whatever just to put on a show to satisfy the bloodlust. Really just crazy stuff. So much crazy going on in these prisons with these mental health issues not being addressed, rodent infestation and some issues, guards allowing narcotics into the jail. But like most people, I thought people being put into isolation was a kind of one-off thing if you were bad, if you know something didn't happen. But it's actually pretty pervasive. Some jails... They do this on a regular basis. They lock them down 23 hours a day in their cell, and they only let them out for that hour. Maybe that's how it always works, and I'm just late to the dance, <laughs> maybe. But I just thought, wow, that's, that's pretty crazy, and you're not going to get much correction out of that. And again, I've seen prison stuff before, but the stuff I saw was rather egregious in my opinion. Anyway, I don't care if you're a patriot, if you're a progressive activist. We don't get to pick and choose which rules we enforce based on whether we agree with them or not, or whether we agree with a prisoner or not. That's the Bolshevik tactic. It's not what we do. We have a constitution and we need to follow it. And that's just what I wanted to share on this prisons thing. And there's more. I mean, as I continue to watch it, I'll I'll bring little tidbits of, but (laughs) it really was entertaining. Now, before I lose you, I want to talk about this crazy headline. It's from about a week ago. I forgot to talk about it last time. It was on my list and I didn't get to it. Court orders first gender-affirming surgery for a transgender federal prisoner. Gender-affirming meaning sex change, (laughs) right? Uh, Elective sex change. That's what they're talking about. Christina Nicole Iglesias has been battling the Federal Bureau of Prisons in court for years. In a first, NBC News. The Federal Bureau of Prisons has been ordered to secure a gender-affirming surgery for a transgender prisoner. Federal judge in the United States District Court for the Southern District of Illinois ordered the Bureau on Monday to undergo a nationwide search for a qualified surgeon to perform the surgery for the inmate. The directive will bring Iglesias, who has been in prison since 1994, for threatening to use a weapon of mass destruction a step closer to receiving the procedure, which she has been fighting to get for six years. So when the the fake news media says she, that means this is a biological male, perhaps even housed with women, believes that they're a woman, but actually has a penis and now is going to have the federal government or the state government in Illinois pay for her gender reassignment, sex change surgery, which is clearly elective at the expense of taxpayers. Iglesias said, I'm hopeful that I'll finally get the care I need to live my life fully as the woman that I am. The Bureau of Prisons, excuse me, has denied me gender affirming surgery for years and keeps raising new excuses and putting new obstacles in my way. I am grateful that the court recognized the urgency of my case and ordered the BOP to act. Listen to this. It was a crime spree. I was robbing women for for their accessories, their purses, their makeup, because I was too afraid to go into the stores and buy my own things because of the backlash from the streets. 
But for many trans women serving time with men, sexual violence is the real fear. According to the Justice Department, 35% of incarcerated trans people report being sexually assaulted, either by other prisoners or prison staff. LGBTQ advocates believe the real numbers may actually be far higher, but prisoners fear retaliation for reporting attacks. All right, so, so much to take apart here. Clearly, if you have this issue, you should be in the mental institution, right? You should be in a different jail. There should be a jail section or quad or, or section or whatever they're called, pods, for these people. Am I wrong in saying that? Does that make me a bigot now that I think, you know, I know if you're a certain gang affiliation, they have their own section. They have a black section, a white section. They do this all the time in prison. Why not do it by LGBTQ and let all those guys hang out together? Don't put them in with the women because as we saw from two episodes ago, they're going to get the women pregnant. Is it me or is this all sorts of crazy and everybody's going along with the crazy and not doing what has to be done? Anyway, we're going to talk about this a little bit more because there's so much on this topic that I want to get to. But we have to stand up. People have to hear our voices. If we don't stand up for the things that matter, they're going to continue to run amok. We're going to see more of this in more prisons. These problems will not go anywhere. That's why I always tell you, you got to stand for something. Because if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to do nothing. So don't do nothing. Do something and do it now. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. In times like these, it's so important that we focus on the facts. I always tell you to focus on the facts. I think you hear that everywhere you go, and that's because facts are irrefutable. It's the bottom line. It's the real deal. And in times like this of uncertainty, we need to rely on the facts. I get my facts from JustFacts.com. That's F-A-C-T-S, JustFacts.com. Go to JustFacts.com and sign up for their newsletter. JustFacts.com forward slash rich. Just put my name in there and you'll get it for free. JustFacts.com slash rich. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com.